Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to another episode of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this is episode 48. And I want to start out with a phrase I hear from a lot of mothers. Oh, I had a really long labor. And in my experience, a really long labor can be anything from 9 to 48 hours, depending on the mother. I consider my first home birth to have been obnoxiously long. I went into early labor on a Thursday night and didn't have my daughter until 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Whew! long one. Madeline, however, takes the cake when it comes to long labors, as you'll hear in her birth story today. Now, today's guest is no stranger to the podcast. I interviewed midwife Madeline Murray on episode 23, and we discussed her brand, passion, life's work, believe in midwifery. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you scoot on over right after you finish this one. I'll make it easy for you and put the link in the show notes. Even more excitingly, this is not the only episode you'll be hearing from Madeline this week. Nope. Be sure to tune back in this Wednesday as we celebrate the launch of Madeline's new course, Believe in Midwifery's Guide to Sustainable Practice. It is an amazing episode for both midwives and mothers, so don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform so you don't miss it. And speaking of your favorite platform, if you wouldn't mind, I would be so grateful for you to head over to iTunes and leave a review for the show. Reviews are really helpful for reaching more mothers, and I know you want to get the home birth message out as much as I do. And remember that if you leave a review, you have the opportunity to be selected as the reviewer of the week, and I'll give you a podcast shout out and I'll mail you a sticker, a happy home birth podcast sticker. So worth the three minutes. All right, on with the show. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And although Madeline is a care provider, neither one of us are functioning in that role during this episode. So continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Let's jump in. Madeline, thank you so much for coming back on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Now for those who have not listened to episode 23, I'm going to go ahead and direct you there because we interviewed Madeline, um, with, with believe in midwifery. So we were talking about sustainable midwifery in that episode, but she is back today to talk about her birth story. So Madeline, would you mind giving a brief introduction for those who haven't listened to that episode? Sure. So my name is Madeline Murray and I am a midwife. I am currently taking a little bit of break of a break from practicing because I have a little one now who I'm about to talk about his birth. Um, and, uh, but meanwhile, while I'm not practicing midwifery, I'm working on some midwifery education with my organization to sort of teach midwives how to be more sustainable in their careers. Burnout is a real problem in midwifery and I'm passionate about making more midwives. So I, I'm speaking at some conferences and working on a course um, for continuing education and trying to help midwives um, keep practicing so we can help more women. 
Uh, I'm I'm really grateful for all that you're doing, and you come up in like a number of my episodes. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm touting you here and there when I can. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. You know, I mean, I want to be known in the home birth midwifery. Uh, I mean, in the home birth community because that's really what I'm about. Is you know, making more midwives for home birth. I want more women to have home births. <laughs> yes. Well, that is amazing. Well, so let's go ahead and um, and jump into your birth story. I know it's a pretty pretty long one. You were saying, so <laughs> yeah. So so tell me what was what was your prenatal care like as a midwife? Yeah. So um, I think I even touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but you know, a lot of people. So I was a midwife for a, a few years before I got pregnant myself, and everybody said to me, you know, you're gonna this is going to make you so much better of a midwife. And, and I think that that isn't necessarily true. I think I was a great midwife even before I had a baby, but I do know that being a midwife made me a terrible pregnant lady. Like the, the amount of worries that, you know, women have, especially I think the first time around, but you know, and so far I've only done it the first time, but, um, I think I kind of always thought that as a midwife that women told me everything. So I thought I had a pretty good you know, handle on what it was like, but turns out it's just all encompassing. I mean, Mm -hmm. so many things change and, um, it's just a lot. And so it was a lot for me. And, um, as a midwife, I think it was maybe doubly because I knew just enough to be dangerous, you know, as they say. (laughs) So anything that kind of was like, a little bit out of the ordinary or that I had never heard before, or, you know, because I thought everybody told me everything. So like when little things would be different or whatever, I would be like, wait, nobody ever told me this. Is this normal? So I found myself talking to friends, you know, friends who have had babies and that were always coming to me with questions before. And now I was going to all of my friends being like, you know, I can't breathe. And, you know, all these things. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, you just sound like a pregnant lady. And I'm like, okay. Oh gosh. Yeah. I remember that with, uh, with my first birth, I was asking my midwife all of these questions and I mean, I was her apprentice and I felt really embarrassed. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm asking you this. I know you trust me with a lot of stuff, but is this normal? Oh, I felt that way for sure. I mean, during the pregnancy and then postpartum, especially, I felt Mm. very much like, um, yeah, embarrassed or just, I guess it was just, you know, humbling to, to have to ask for help. Cause I was the one who was supposed to know the answers to all of these questions that I had. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I think if anything, it just kind of made me more sympathetic to women. Um, and I already, you know, think women are amazing, you know, because I, I walked, with so many through this process and, and birth and, and everything. And I already knew that they were amazing, but now I know for sure. I mean, it's just such a big deal what we do. Oh, I love that. Yes, absolutely. So So I didn't really answer your question, which is what my prenatal care was like. (laughs) Just as good. (laughs) Um, and, and I, I'll say that. So when I literally took a pregnancy test on the day that the website for my new midwifery practice went live. So we had just launched, um, in Atlanta. It was the 
I had a practice with two other midwives. So we were in a sustainable home birth group practice. And, you know, the first like business meeting we had after that launch, I was like, so I'm going to need some time off in about nine months. Love Um, you guys. Yeah. And of course they understood, you know, that was on, on my radar. I had gotten married not long before and they knew that that was in my plan. So it was fine, of course. But, um, but so I mainly just saw them, you know, whenever we would have, I, I didn't really do like typical prenatal care, really. I wasn't, you know, on a, you know, I saw them every four weeks for my appointments or anything like that. It was kind of just sort of constant care. Um, and every once in a while we would listen to the heartbeat and take my blood pressure and, um, you know, pee on a stick and things like that. But it wasn't really the same way that we do it with clients. Really. It was kind of a little bit more casual, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what was that like as the pregnancy progressed and as you were getting closer and closer to labor? Um, just, I'm just trying to kind of picture with you working with this practice of midwives, um, what was the plan kind of going to be when you did go into labor? Were they both going to come or how was that going to work? Actually, no. Um, I The plan was that I was expecting that first-time moms generally have a longish labor. And the person that I really wanted to be there, not even necessarily as a midwife, although she happens to be a midwife, but more just as a friend, um, was the girl that I did my apprenticeship when I was in Oregon. Oh, she okay. Was, she was the student. We were kind of co-primaries at the same time. So she and I worked through our apprenticeships together. And we're kind of like... I don't know. We call each other our midwifery soul sisters, like just really practice the same and have the same ideas about things. And, um, I really wanted her to be there. So, so the plan, which is a lot of people thought was a little little crazy was that whenever I went into labor, I was going to call her on the phone and she was going to hop on a plane and come to Atlanta from Oregon. And I was hoping that she was going to make it in time. Right. (laughs) Um, but of course I was fine because, you know, I have tons of friends here that would have come to be with me if, um, if I needed them and she didn't make it, but that was the plan. Um, and I really wanted, I wanted it to be as sort of unassisted as possible. I really wanted to kind of just do my thing. And that's the type of midwife that I am too. When I'm with women, I really sort of want them to be kind of the leaders of the experience, you know, Uh and, um, and not really intervene at all. Like, unless it seems like they need help or, or something. And sometimes first time moms do need a little bit of help or encouragement or, um, suggestions and things like that. But other times they don't, you know, sometimes women can just do the thing. And that's kind of what I was hoping to do. I also was planning on having my mom there who had me at home. Um, And she had a few home births. And so I knew she was going to be great. And we have a great relationship. And then my husband, of course, and my sister-in-law, who I had been with her for three of her labors. And so she was going to be there, too. So I had a a pretty good support network. And we had had some, like, sit-down talks and stuff about how it was going to go, you know, if Jen didn't get there in time. And so that they kind of had some ideas about what I wanted and and where things were and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I also moved really close to the end of my pregnancy. And so I think 
I was a little bit in denial when we were getting to that point that like, you know, I could have a baby <laughs> anytime mm-hmm. soon. So whenever it happened, it was a little, you know, what? okay, here, here we go. Yeah. I guess right. this really is going to happen. But, um, I do feel like, um, especially first time moms have to move once during their pregnancy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's something I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. It was, I mean, it wasn't really close, but it was, I think we moved when I was like 33 weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I Which, think that's when I moved during my first pregnancy. Really? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it is actually it is actually a common story. And I, you know, it's it's good in some ways because you can't really help at all. You know, right. my <laughs> I would carry like two boxes and I don't have to sit down and take a break because I was like out of breath. Yep. Um but also, you know, trying to get everything ready and nesting and that whole thing. It, you know, I feel like I wasn't I wasn't super present. I guess, kind of at the end of the pregnancy because I was, I had so, you know, I was trying to get ready, but also sort of in denial in some sense. And I think probably everybody that first time around is too, because you just really have no idea, you know, mm-hmm. what, yeah. what's about to hit you. <laughs> so how did it hit you? Well, um, shockingly enough, it's, there's a couple funny things about it, which is, I was, I was really prepared. Um, I think this is the one thing that being a midwife was good for is that I was, I didn't have expectations. Like, you know, I knew it was possible that I might go into labor when I was, you know, it would take me until I was 43 weeks, or maybe I would have a labor that was 48 hours, or maybe I would have a labor that was seven hours, or, you know, maybe I would go into labor at 37 weeks. Like I was really prepared for whatever, however it was going to go. The only thing that I didn't expect was that my water was going to break first because Mm -hmm. that is like so uncommon, even though it's what you see all the time in the movies and stuff, it's like not very common. And so that was the one thing that I was kind of unprepared for. Mm -hmm. And, And that is how it ended up happening. But I'll say the other thing that's kind of funny is that there's this restaurant in Atlanta, um, called Scalini's and they're like famous for, making women go into labor. They have this eggplant Parmesan. And like mm-hmm. when you go there for dinner, it's kind of funny. Like there's tons of pregnant ladies there. Cause everybody just goes there <laughs> because yep. they want to go into labor. And if you go into labor within, or if you have a baby within 48 hours or something of being there, they like give you a, um, a gift certificate and put your baby's picture on the wall and you have an eggplant baby. And it's like just this whole thing. <laughs> I actually, so. we had, cause so, you know, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, so yeah. not that far from Atlanta. Yeah. We had a client that did go down and have the <gasps> eggplant Parmesan. <laughs> did it work for her? It did. <laughs> she was one of the eggplant babies. That is so funny. So, so yeah, so I went there, I think we planned it. My due date was May 18th. And we planned the dinner for, I think it was May 20th. And so we went out to dinner. It was a Sunday night. Um, I went with a couple of friends and our husbands and had the eggplant Parmesan and whatever, you know. And then we went home and just went to bed like everything was normal, not expecting anything was going to happen. And then like maybe around 1130 or so, I was laying in bed and all of a sudden started, you know, what I thought at the time was like, peeing the bed. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was like, wetting myself. <laughs> yeah. And it took me like, you know, two seconds. Cause I'm dead asleep. So is my husband. And I woke up and I felt it. And of course I like just a second later, I was like, 
oh my gosh, my freaking water is breaking like in my bed right now. And luckily I had put the waterproofing stuff on the bed, like literally that day. Cause like I said, I was kind of in denial. So I'm like past my due date and like, don't even have the bed ready. I'm like, Madeline, what are you doing? But, um, so my water starts breaking in the bed. So I, you know, wake up my husband and he like, I was like, I think my water just broke. So Andrew jumps up and like, you know, goes over and he like gets dressed and everything. And meanwhile, my water is just continuing to pour out of me. I mean, I have never seen as much amniotic fluid as was coming out of my body. So I'm laying in the bed because I'm thinking, you know, this is going to stop and I want it to stop before I stand up, but it wasn't stopping. And it was like starting to roll off the bed. So I'm like, okay, I I have to do something about this. So I stood up and I went into the shower, you know, dripping to the shower. And, um, then my, uh, so I'm standing in the shower with like amniotic fluid all over my hands and my hair is down, like, you know, half clothed. And so my husband comes running into the bathroom, like all dressed and everything, you know, it's like midnight. <laughs> He's like, okay, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I got the birth pool set up. <laughs> yes. I was, like, I was like, I was like, well, we're probably going to go back to bed. <laughs> you can take your jeans so- off. Yes. <laughs> It was so funny. But anyways, I'm standing there with this stuff all over my hands. And so like the first thing I did, I was like, could you get me a washcloth? Cause like I wanted to put my hair back, but I didn't want to touch my hair with like these amniotic fluid hands. <laughs> and cause I was, cause I wanted to take a shower, but my hair is down. I don't want my hair to get wet, you know? So I'm like, will you just give me a washcloth and a hair rubber band? So he did that, brought those things back to me. And then I was like, okay. And also I need a big cup of water. Cause I'm thinking, you know, I just lost all this water. And from now on, I'm just going to have to start drinking all the water. So he did that. Um, I took a shower, put on some, you know, depends or whatever and called my friend. So this, by now it was maybe like almost one o'clock in the morning. So it's like 10 o'clock in Oregon. So my friend answered the phone and she's like, hello. (laughs) And I was like, well, my water just broke. And she's like, no way. And I'm like, I know. So she, we looked online and bought her a plane ticket. And she was going to arrive in Atlanta around like two o'clock or she was, you know, just going to get on the first flight out of Oregon and she was going to get to Atlanta like around 2 PM or something on Monday. Mm-hmm. So we go back to bed and of course I can't sleep very well, you know, and, um, but no contractions ever really hit. And so we just woke up in the morning and my husband didn't go to work and we kind of just acted like it was a normal day. So we went to the grocery store and bought some food so we could cook like a good dinner when my friend came into town, if my labor hadn't started yet and, um, went to pick her up at the airport. And so, you know, meanwhile, I'm continuing to just leak and leak and leak Mm. and leak and leak. So I'm, you know, wearing (laughs) depends at the airport, which is just hilarious to me, like walking through (laughs) and pick my friend up, which was great actually to have like, a little bit of time to just hang out with her, like before things were really, you know, happening. Um, so we had dinner and I think maybe Monday night I had one or two contractions, but like not really. And so we went to bed kind of early-ish, you know, cause I had been awake the night before, didn't sleep very well. So we're like, you know, I should probably just go to bed and try to get some sleep. Cause this is bound to happen sooner or later, you know? 
So then I think it was like around two o'clock in the morning on Tuesday morning that I had a contraction that sort of woke me up and I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is happening. And so I kept sleeping. I stayed in bed and I had a couple more that woke me up. And so, you know, things were sort of starting to happen. And then maybe by like eight in the morning or something, they were coming like about every 10 minutes or so. And we're getting to the point where I just wasn't comfortable in the bed anymore. Like I would kind of have to get on my hands and knees or roll over, you know, and sort of breathe through them. I mean, definitely not really intense, um, especially knowing what I know now, but (laughs) uncomfortable at the time. And so it was like eight o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, so I didn't really sleep good that night either. Um, but we got out of bed and, I had another friend, um, who was in town from Australia and she was going to be in the States for like a number of weeks. And, and she just happened to have, she arrived just a couple of days before that too. And so we had already had plans to go get coffee that morning to catch up. And, but you know, then I told her like, I, it might not, happen because, but if I'm not in labor, then, you know, we can still have coffee. (laughs) But then, um, obviously that morning I was having contractions, you know, every 10 minutes or so. So I actually called her on the phone and I was like, Hey, I don't really want to go anywhere to get coffee, but if you want to come over and just hang out for a little, you can. And then I just do this classic first time mom. There's so much stuff that I do as classic first time mom. And so I also, so I call my friend, tell her she can come over to have coffee. I call my mom and I'm like, so nothing's really happening, but you know, it's kind of starting to happen. So like, I just thought I'd let you know just in case you wanted to come over. And so of course she does. And then I called my sister-in-law. So nothing's really happening, but it's kind of starting to happen if you want to come over. So of course she does. So, you know, I get out of bed. Party at your house. Yeah, literally. I'm like, you know, making coffee. My husband's making breakfast. We're all sitting around. I'm on the birth ball. Like, yes, I'm in labor (laughs) and with all these people in the house. And then, you know, an hour goes by or something. And I'm like, okay, nothing is changing. My contractions are really spacing out. And so of course, you know, all those people there just really messed with my mojo. And so around 11 AM or so, this is on Tuesday. I was like, all right, everybody out. Like this isn't working. You guys have to leave. Cause you know, I've, (laughs) my water's been broken for like almost two days and (laughs) I'm ready to have a baby, you know, started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is getting old. Um, so even my friend from Oregon, I, I told her, you know, that she needed to make herself scarce as well. So she actually went upstairs and took a nap because she, you know, hadn't slept very much the past two nights either. So, she went upstairs and took a nap and, um, I stayed downstairs with my husband. Um, and it still just didn't really pick up. Like I was on the birth ball and we went for a walk and, you know, we were kind of like cuddling, like just trying to do all the things that you do to sort of get some oxytocin flowing or get, you know, movement or whatever. And just kind of, you know, waiting for a pot to boil, I guess. Um, and I was having some contractions, like they were, you know, I would have one 10 minutes and then another one, 10 minutes, and then it would be 20 minutes and then it would be seven minutes. Like just, they were coming, but definitely not any sort of a pattern. So we did that for a couple of hours. And then finally I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm still not in labor. So let's, you know, forget that and move on to 
something else and just, you know, do something to keep my mind off of this. So I called my mom back and she came back over so we could play Settlers of Catan. Oh, which, yes. Classic. Which is like our favorite thing to do. <laughs> so my mom came over and me and my husband and my mom and my friend played Settlers of Catan for a little while in the afternoon and then made dinner um, again. And then so by like the evening time, uh, things were I was definitely having contractions. Like my friend has this really good picture of me like over, like standing up over the board game, like with this face kind of like it was my turn and I was like trying to go, but my face was like scrunched up because I was having a contraction. Um, so I, they started getting closer together then like around dinner time, six or seven, I think, I don't know exactly, but definitely picking up and not really going away. Um, and so I think maybe by, and so I didn't go to bed, uh, because by the time bedtime came around it, you know, it was really, it seemed like things were moving along. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so my mom is still there. My friend is there. My husband is there. And by like 11 o'clock or so, I'm kind of starting to like zone out, like not really be involved in the conversation anymore. And, um, just doing my own thing when I would have the contractions, everybody was sort of just sitting around the living room. And every time I would have a contraction, I would sort of just stand up and lean against the back of this like armchair that we have and sort of sway my hips and stuff. And, um, so I was doing that for a while and kind of in my head was thinking, you know, I think I'd like to have a baby by breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And I sort of had, you know, voiced that. So we kind of were, you know, everybody was kind of joking, like, come on, baby, like you got to have breakfast with your mom and blah, blah, blah. And the way things were going, you know, I was having contractions. Like I could see my friend, like, you know, looking at her watch whenever contraction would start. And like, I could tell that she was recognizing. And this is another part that's bad about being a midwife. Like I know what a midwife's brain is like. Mm -hmm. And so I just could read her face and what was going on, you know? And so I was like, okay, like, I think she thinks I'm in labor. So <laughs> I'm probably in labor. She seems to think so. <laughs> yeah. She's sort of acting like I'm in labor. So, um, so we did that for a while and, and I felt like I was freaking rocking it. I thought I was doing such a good job because I was having these, you know, long contractions every four or five minutes and, I was, you know, just listening to my body and swaying my hips. And that part actually kind of made me feel like a good midwife because I just was sort of doing all of the things that I recommend to people to do. And it was helping. <laughs> and um, but, you know, I, I also at the same time, I was like, OK, I know I feel like this is going really well, so it's probably going to get a lot harder. So I even said to my friend one time, I was like, I was like, I'm handling this like well enough that like, I'm not really there yet. Like I probably have a, long, a, a while to go, huh? And she was like, yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's probably going to get a little bit harder, you know, before it gets better. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> but, but I was ready for it. I was ready to, to keep going. So maybe three o'clock in the morning, it seemed, you know, for sure, like things were happening. And so I, you know, definitely active labor. Um, and so I called my sister-in-law and let her know if she wanted to come over so she did. And then I think I got in the birth tub around 5 a.m. maybe. Um, and 
started feeling some pressure. And so this is Wednesday morning at five o'clock in the morning. And your water broke Sunday night. Is that right? Yes. Like about 1130 on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, so five o'clock in the morning, Wednesday, I get in the birth pool and I'm feeling a little pushy, but not, you know, really, I'm not like trying to push or anything, but I'm just Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit of, of pressure and stuff. And, um, so that goes on for a while and it's getting really hard and I'm in the tub, like, you know, the contractions are just really hard and I'm like kind of over it, but also, you know, no, I have to keep doing it. And, um, and also, I mean, my water is just like flowing this Mm. whole time. Like every time I have a contraction, I have this gush of fluid. And so that was just really annoying to me. Like I was having to change my pads constantly and like carry around tons of Chuck's pads and stuff. And it just was frustrating. Um, and it was hard and, you know, it was morning time and I was not having a baby to have breakfast with. (laughs) And it was like, I was, that was the first time that I was kind of starting to get a little bit over it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so at some point, and and of course, you know, I said, I really wanted this to be kind of intervention free and just let me do my whole thing, my own thing. And so my friend wasn't, you know, doing anything. She wasn't like, you know, giving me any suggestions or asking me a lot of questions or anything. She kind of was just there. And at some point I decided that I was going to check myself because I was, I started feeling like I I wanted to push a little. And so I was pushing a little, um, and not making, not feeling like I was making really any progress. So I checked myself at some point, this is all the time sort of get blurry here too, but Mm -hmm. sometime in the morning, like before lunchtime, I decided to to check myself and I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel any cervix. Um, and, but I thought I could feel his head. And so I said to, you know, my friend, <laughs> poor friend is like trying to not do anything. She's just like asking me leading questions. She's like, so what do you feel? And I was like, I think I, oh, I feel, and I'm starting to get teary eyed. I'm like, I think I can just feel a baby's head in a pubic bone. Mm. And she was like, she's like, okay. So like if you were a midwife for someone and they told you, you know, that they could just feel like if, if you were trying to get a baby past a pubic bone, like what would you do? And I was like, I would probably tell him to get into a deep squat. <laughs> she's like okay so do you want to try that and I'm like okay so I get into a deep squat with my husband and I do like a couple of real like give it all I got pushes and um and it you know nothing happens like we do with a few contractions we try that and nothing's really happening and then finally um I was like okay I changed my mind like I want you to check me and so we went upstairs so she could check me. I don't know why we went upstairs, maybe just for a change of scene or, or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, she checked me and I was seven centimeters. And that's another kind of like classic first time mom, like mm-hmm. feeling pushy at seven centimeters. Mm-hmm. And so luckily I knew that. And I felt that way. So when she told me I wasn't super disappointed, I literally in my head was just like, Oh, classic <laughs> classic first time mom yes hashtag um, yes 
but of course I was really tired, you know? Right. Um, gosh, this and is he, a he, long even, time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this, so this, this is around lunchtime ish. And, and we've been, you know, I'm tired. Like we've been awake for days. My husband is tired. He's been awake for days. And so she told me that. So like, while it wasn't like devastating because I knew it was a classic first time mom thing. And I knew, you know, I've seen people hit that spot and get over it a million times that I knew I could, it still was disappointing. And sure. I kind of, um, at that point was just like, all right, I changed my plan. Like I am overdoing this by myself. I need all the support I can get. I'm like, Jen, I want you to be my midwife. I want you to tell me what to do. I was like, I want you guys to like be around me. I need all the help and support I can get. I mean, I started having my friends, like the people that were there, I had my sister-in-law like send a group text to all of like my good friends. And I was like, just tell them like, I need like energy and prayers and support. And my mom called, like sent out a message to all these ladies at my church asking for prayers. And, um, and then we went downstairs and then we let my husband go to sleep cause he was just exhausted. So he was taking a nap. So this is in the afternoon. Um, I also, my sister-in-law who was there had had a really long, long, long first labor. And so she was encouraging. And then I had another really good friend of mine who had a really long, 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 long first labor that I was with her. And so I called her on the phone just to get some sort of words of encouragement. So I was like calling in the tribe of women, you know, I was right. thinking about all the women everywhere that were laboring. And, um, and even with the group of women that was there with me, I kind of was like, I want you guys to like, I need you to do this with me. So like every time I had a contraction, everybody was moaning and everybody was swaying. And it was just like, I mean, it almost makes me cry just to even think about like, just how supportive everyone was, you know, when I needed it. And, um, and just that, that that's what women need sometimes is just, you know, I needed help and I had people there to help me, you know? So it was, um, it was a pretty cool sort of experience that I'll, I'll, you know, I really remember fondly, even though it was so, so hard. Um, yeah, well, I love how you, you know, you knew like at that point it was like, okay, I'm done with the internalism. <laughs> like I need outside support five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's different for everybody. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. some people go really internal and you don't, you just don't know, um, yep. you know, how it's going to be for you. So, so or for each individual labor. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did that for a while downstairs and, and, and then we were doing, and, and when Jen checked me the first time I didn't, I still was a little bit on the not wanting very much intervention. Cause I just wanted her to check dilation. Like I wasn't, I didn't want her to feel where the baby's head was or anything like that. I just was kind of, I wanted to get as little information as possible to don't hang out in there. Right. So she just, so all she knew at the time was that I was seven centimeters. That's all she checked. She was just in and out. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, midwife brain, my water is continuing to pour out of me every time I had a contraction. So what that means is that the baby's head is definitely not well applied to the cervix or else the water wouldn't be able to come out of there. So I knew that he was a little, you know, cattywampus or whatever in there. And so we were, so when we were doing this whole moaning, swaying everything together, they also were having me do, you know, 
make the rounds kind of like I would do one contraction in a squat, one contraction in a lunge with my right foot up, one contraction with a lunge with my left foot up. I was, you know, holding onto a sheet that we tied to the door, um, sitting on the toilet, sitting on the birth ball, like just trying everything to try to get him into a better position. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in the afternoon, at some point, we decided that she should check me again just to see if we had made any progress. And so this was like maybe six hours later. I mean, it was a significant amount of time later. Right. She checked me. And this time we wanted more information, you know, and um, I was still seven centimeters and his head was um, asynclitic. So he uh-huh. was, you know, had a tilted head in there. And so you know, for hours, we have been trying to do all of the things that are supposed to help a baby's head, (laughs) you know, get into the better position. Um, and so at that point, yeah, I think it was probably like five or six at night on Wednesday night. And I kind of was like, that's the first time that I had in my head doubt of doing this at home. Mm-hmm. I kind of was like, cause I've seen, you know, I've seen this story before where women are in labor for three days and then they end up going to the hospital, you know, and having a C-section. And I mean, I've seen it with my sister-in-law who was there with me and it happened to her and the other friend that I talked about. And like, you know, it's in my experience, um, labors that last as long as mine was looking to be lasting. Um, it's, it doesn't always work out. Mm -hmm. Um, so, which of course, again, was fine. I mean, that was, you know, one of the possibilities in my head, you know? Um, but it it was the first time that I kind of was like, you know, uh, but I didn't voice it or anything. We didn't really talk about it. We were kind of like, okay, well, what else can we keep trying to do here? And so, um, and also my husband was cool, you know, cause he, he didn't grow up with home. I mean, he's married to a midwife obviously, but like, he's just trusting me and my friend and everybody that's there. And, um, and he was awesome because, I, cause he could tell, you know, that everyone left after the second exam just so he and I could talk to each other. And he was like, you know, cause I, I know he was scared. Um, but he just said, I think we should just keep trying to do stuff here. Like, you know, we got to just keep trying. If you can keep going, I think we should keep trying. And so that was good, um, to have his full support. Um, so we got some, we, we, I think we were trying to get my contractions to pick up more cause they were slowing down a little bit. Oh, because I forgot something when we were doing all of those different movements, um, you know, standing and squatting and lunging and everything else. We were just trying all these different positions at one point, like right before my friend checked me, I hadn't done any laying down. And Mm -hmm. so we were like, well, let's just lay flat on your back for a contraction and see what happens. So I laid flat on my back on the couch downstairs. And all of a sudden I had this insane spasm of like the whole left upper section of my body, like, um, my back and my shoulder and my abs on the left side, like it just seized so much that it made me have to throw up. Oh, wow. 
and I hadn't, I'm not a person who throws up from pain and I hadn't thrown up yet from the labor. Um, and I had been drinking water and eating food all this time. So like I wasn't at a risk of getting dehydrated yet. Um, but this crazy spasm, I mean, it was like, I have no idea where it came from or why, uh, but it made me sick. And so I think my thought of what happened then was that I had this, cause that continued to happen like oh, every, no. not with every contraction, but like just randomly, like every mm-hmm. 30 minutes or so I would all of a sudden, I, I would feel it start and I would like call for the bowl because I knew it was going to make me throw up. And I mean, it was like a bazillion times worse than the contractions pain. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I think that that was sort of causing adrenaline in my body, which of course makes the oxytocin slow down. Um, and so my contractions were slowing down. And if your contractions are slowing down, then none of the positional things, you know, are going to work to move a baby's head if you don't have strong contractions, you know, to do those, to, to move it when you're doing your positions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause we were, we started doing rebozo and, you know, I mean, we were do, trying to do all the things to get him to turn his head. But if your body is not having contractions, you know, to push his head into the new position, right. it's not going to work. Yeah. So, um, so I think the plan was to try to get some herbs and homeopathics and stuff to get my contractions going. So we, after our talk and everything decided what we were going to try to do. So we went downstairs, I got back in the pool. I'm, you know, drinking shots of tinctures with orange juice every 15 minutes and, (laughs) and still trying to do all the movements and everything. And, um, and yeah, it just doesn't get any better. Um, my contractions don't get into a really consistent close pattern. I continue to have this crazy side pain, which is making me throw up. So then I'm starting to get dehydrated. We've been awake for, you know, three days, whatever. And, um, but I I still (laughs) was not giving up. I think I called one of my practice partners does my abdominal massage. Mm. And so we called her to come over and that was at like 10 o'clock or something on Wednesday night. And so she is on her way over. Then I also call my brother who is not, um, he doesn't do any kind of body work, but he knows a lot about the body. He's, a, he just, he, ha, he is a CrossFit trainer and a, um, biology major. He's just really into, you know, muscles and stuff. And so he came over, we were hoping he was going to be able to just, you know, maybe massage or see what was going on. We also had tried putting like, you know, icy hot and all that stuff on it and everything. Um, so my brother comes over like, yeah, around 1030 or something. And he's trying to help me. And I'm laying on the couch and, you know, wearing a diaper and a tank top, like, you know, just super <laughs> in. I mean, I just can't even imagine. I mean, I've seen women in this position before, so I guess I can totally imagine. But um but seeing it from like the brother perspective yes, as opposed I, to the midwife perspective. Yes, yes, my brother, you know, I have these like huge pregnant boobs just like <laughs> hanging there in my tank top and like in a diaper and my brother's there and he's like trying to rub my back and I'm laying on the, um, and I'm just crying and I was laying on the couch and I had one more of those things. So it was like 1030 at night and I was like, I'm done. I'm over it. 
this has to stop. I cannot feel that pain again. Like we need to do something. Mm-hmm. And, um, so w- one of my practice partners had already called our backup doctor here in Atlanta and kind of told him what was sort of going on and that I, they might, that I might be coming in a little bit later. So she called him again to kind of tell him what was going on. And we went to the hospital and, you know, of course I didn't have a bag packed. The car seat was literally still in the box in our, you know, front hallway. And, um, and I was going there, you know, guns blazing. Like I do not like the hospital for birth. I, and I knew I was going to be in good hands, but also I knew there was going to be nurses there you know, that were going to try to get me to do things that I didn't want to do. And, um, and my husband too, like he, he doesn't have the same kind of personality that I do of like, you know, you are not going to freaking mess with me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I know he would have protected me, but I think it definitely would have been stressful for him. And so my brother on the other hand is very much, um, my type of personality. And so he agreed to come with us. So he and my sister-in-law came and he also helped my husband put the car seat in the car. I mean, it was just super, wonderful that he was there to help Um, a brother. Yes. He was absolutely a doula brother. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we head to the hospital. I think I had two contractions on the way to the hospital. Luckily I I brought my bowl, but luckily I didn't have one of those spasms. Um, we got there and we got checked in and I assumed that we were in triage because that's normally what they do with people when you first get to the hospital. And so the nurse came in and handed me (laughs) a gown, you know, a hospital gown. And like, I took it and I was like, you know, no, thank you. I'm not going to need that. And like set it back down. And then she came over to me and handed me a cup. Cause I, Oh, I asked her if I could go to the bathroom before I got on the monitor. And she was like, yeah, sure. And she handed me a cup for a urine sample. And I was like, Oh no, thank you. I don't think I'm going to do that. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So then she leaves the room and I could tell was not pleased with me. (laughs) Um, so I go to the bathroom and then I come out and she doesn't come back for like, you know, a number of minutes. And I was like, Oh great. Like I've already pissed off the nurse and I'm in triage, which means I'm going to have to sit on the monitor for 20 minutes before they move me into a room. And like, I'm just like calculating in my head how much time I have before I'm going to be, you know, comfortable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, and it didn't, it wasn't sounding good to me. So then a couple minutes later, new nurse walks into the room and I said, am I in triage? And she was like, Oh no, this is your labor room. And I was like, Oh, okay. In that case, can I get an epidural? (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny that that's the words coming out of my mouth. But she's like, she's like, Oh yes, it's already ordered. Like it's on the way. Um, I can't remember everything that she said, but she was just like an absolute delight. And she, you know, gave me all the paperwork and, I literally declined like everything. Like I wouldn't sign any of the consent forms. She's like, you know, you can just sign this one. And then if it happens, we'll have you sign it again or whatever, you know, for like a C-section or, I mean, those consent forms, I don't know if anybody actually reads them, but you should read them because you basically sign everything away when you first 
are in there and I was not going to do any of that. So I'm like crossing out lines, like <laughs> initialing things. Nope, not like, that. Writing, I do not consent like on parts of the thing. And, um, but she was cool. The nurse was, you know, she, she was cool. So, um, I did agree to an IV because I, th- I think I was going to need some Pitocin to get my contractions going. So I got, she put the IV in and she put it sort of near my wrist and she did a fine job putting it in. But then, you know, she left the room for whatever reason. And I'm on the monitor in the bed with this IV. And this is what I remember as the worst part of the whole entire experience. I'm sitting on the bed on the monitor, have this IV in, but like where she had put it, I like couldn't bend my wrist and it was like really uncomfortable. And I started having one of those back spasms. So I'm like, I can't hold on to anything because I can't bend my wrist with this thing on me. And, and these back spasms, like I'm vomiting, but I'm like convulsive. Like my body is like convulsing, vomiting. That's what would happen every time I would have one of these spasms. And my friend and my husband were in there with me and they couldn't find throw up bags. So they have the hospital trash can holding me hanging off the edge of the hospital bed. My body is like convulsing in pain and I'm throwing up bile, you know? And I just, in my head, I was like, why is this happening to me? I mean, cursing in my head, you know, like what the F is go like, why is this my birth experience? Why is this happening to me? Like, I just could like, my head was like, this is so much more horrible than, than anything I have ever imagined in my life. And, um, then I stopped throwing up and I, you know, laid back on the bed. And then that was the last time that I had one of those spasms because the, anesthesiologist got there and he gave me an epidural and the um, nurse changed my IV port into a different place. So it was more comfortable. Um, and the guy who gave me the epidural was like super nice and helpful and like really listened to me and my concerns and really explained everything. And, you know, my brother had told me, cause he also, um, has some medical knowledge. He was like, just make sure you tell him like exactly where it's happening. Cause they can kind of like control those things, like where the pain relief is, you know, the most of it goes or whatever. So I explained to him that I was having these spasms on this left side and it was high and whatever. And so he did that and, um, and it went away. Uh, so then I'm laying there with the blood pressure cuff on the epidural thing in my back the IV in my arm, my legs are completely numb. And I hated that too. I mean, I hated it. I was like, this is, I would, if I wasn't having those back spasms, I would stay at home for three more days. Like that's how uncomfortable I felt. I already felt like I was itching. I felt like I was shaking. I was so tired. I was so tired. Um, and I remember my mom and my friend came back into the room after I had got the epidural and they were hoping, you know, that I was going to be, have some relief. (laughs) And they walked into the room and they were just like, you know, how are you? And I was like, this sucks. Like I couldn't get comfortable. I was petrified about like moving because I didn't want the epidural to, you know, get messed up and like go into my spinal fluid or, or whatever. Um, the 
beeping of the blood pressure cuff. Like, I mean, it just was, it's it horrible in there. In my opinion, I have no idea why someone would plan to give birth in a hospital. Yeah. Um, just because of the whole, I mean, the lights and the beeping and the cold and the, you know, it just was, it was not my cup of tea. (laughs) No. Um, then of course, completely exhausted. My husband and I get in like a little bit of a tiff because I I want him to go to sleep, but he's like looking at his phone and I'm like, you have to go to sleep. Like we're going to blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you have to go to sleep. (laughs) We're like fighting with each other. Um, and then I say to the nurse too, I, I said, you know, I am in absolutely no position to meet my baby. So I have no idea how this is going to happen, but like, can you please make the Pitocin like as little as possible or even like wait a couple hours before you give it to me so I can get some sleep? Cause like, you know, no matter if I have this baby vaginally or if I have a C-section in an hour, you know, I, I need some, I need a, a, <laughs> to take a nap before I meet my yeah. baby. And so she was really cool and continued to be really cool all throughout the night. I mean, I was so tired and I just, I couldn't get comfortable. I had all of these pillows. I was calling her in before I finally fell asleep. I was like calling her in, you know, pressing the button to call her in to come help me move my pillows like over and over. And I just, I was like aware that I wasn't making any sense. I was so tired and I just needed her to help me, but I couldn't explain how and like, Um, but she was so wonderful. She was so wonderful and so patient and so helpful and just did her best to make me as comfortable as possible. Um, and I feel like her as a nurse, I I really think made a big difference in the, having my labor actually pick up on its own. Like, I think if I would have kept that other nurse who was there. Um, because like I said, I I went, I was going in there, you know, adrenaline pumping, like nobody was going to mess with me, you Mm -hmm. know? And if that adrenaline would have just continued to be through my system, I don't know if the Pitocin would have worked even with the epidural, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I really credit her, um, a lot with how everything ended up happening. Um, she was wonderful. And so at some point, the midwife that was on call came in like maybe around five in the morning or something after I had slept for a couple of hours. And she basically was saying goodbye um, because she was going to be off shift at seven and just wanted to come in and say hello and, you know, check on me and whatever. But also like she probably wasn't going to be there in the morning. And, um, and I asked her, I was like, do you think you should check me again? Like midwife to midwife, do you think you should check me again to see if anything's happening or should we just, you know, but, but my water had been broken, you know, for a long time. So like it was kind of check to see what's going on, but also risk, you know, having germs and stuff get up in there. And she was like, no, you know, I think we should probably just keep on waiting like things, you know, he seems fine so far. And so I was like, okay. So I think I maybe fell asleep for like maybe another hour or so. And, um, then I woke up and I felt for real pressure, mm. like not the pressure that, that I was feeling when I was seven centimeters for right. real pressure. And so I called the nurse back in and I was like, I know you guys like to, you know, have feeling pressure like in between contractions anyways. I was like, but I just want to let you know, like, I'm really, 
I'm really feeling a lot of pressure with a contraction. And she was like, okay, um, let me call the midwife and see if she can come check you. So then I look at the clock and it's like 6:45 in the morning. And I'm like, Oh, perfect. Madeline, like you're <laughs> going to freaking decide to do this at shift change. <laughs> like, That's the way to do it. You are kidding me. Like how can this keep happening? So this is Thursday morning at like 6:45 in the morning. And so the midwife comes back and she checks me and she was like, Oh, like you're ready to have a baby. And so I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I was 50, 50, maybe even 80, 20 when we went to the hospital that I was going to have a C-section. Yeah. Um, and then now I have a baby, you know, they're ready to be born and I can feel it. Um, and so I woke my husband up and I was like, Hey, call mom. I think I'm about to push your baby out. So he calls my mom. And of course they're trying to come from the suburbs into Atlanta, like during rush hour traffic on Thursday morning. So that was a bummer too. Um, but so then the midwife, you know, she checked me and she said, yeah, I think, you know, we're ready to go. And and I was like, okay, so I should probably like labor down though. Right. And she was like, yeah, probably. And I was like, cause I was feeling a lot of pressure, but like labor down means like, you know, not push, like just let your body do it. And until, you know, it's really, until your body starts really pushing. Right. Until you just have yeah. to. Right. And so, um, she kind of was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And I was like, Oh boy. But then I had another cr- contraction and my body was like, mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nope, it's time. Yeah. So I looked like, we looked at each other and I'm like, okay, I think I'm actually pushing. And she's like, all right, let's do this. And so I was like, I want to do delayed cord clamping. She's like, okay, great. And I was like, I want you to let him restitute on his own. And she's like, okay, great. I was like, uh, we don't know the sex. I want Andrew to announce the sex of the baby. And she's like, okay, great. And I was like, and I want like immediate skin. I was like, just like shooting off all these demands. (laughs) And she just was like, okay, 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 okay. And, um, so then I push a little bit and the epidural had definitely worn off. Now I, I was wondering about that. I may very well eat my words. And I think, I will have to, but I have seen a lot of women give birth on epidurals and unless they are like, I don't know, princess Kate or something, they were not feeling what I was feeling. Like I I was feeling things. Um, and, and also I could move around a lot. Like I asked her if I could get on my hands and knees and she said that I could, So I tried pushing like that for a while. Um, and then she gave me like a, uh, tied a sheet, you know, so I could hold onto the sheet and they were like holding my legs and she was pulling against the sheet because at first my husband was pulling against the sheet and like, he wasn't pulling hard enough. I mean, I turned into like a wild caged beast when I started pushing, I was yelling at everyone. I was like, you have to pull harder. (laughs) And he's like, like in it later on, he's like, I was afraid I was going to pull you off the bed, (laughs) you know, yelling at him. And then, so then the midwife started holding onto the thing because she knew what to do. And so she was doing it, but then he was holding my leg. And so I was like, you have to hold my leg, like, hold it. I don't want to have to feel it at all. And (laughs) yelling at everyone. And then I also kept on saying, this is so hard. This is so hard. Like I just kept yelling that over and over. And, and in my head at the time, I was just thinking to myself, like every woman I have ever seen do this ever before in my whole entire life is stronger than I am. That's 
what I was thinking. I was just like, this is insane. Like what this is insane. It's insane. And I just could not believe I had seen so many women do this thing before with so much more grace than I had. Um, but the, it was funny because the doctor was in the room and he knows me, you know, he's our backup doctor. And so he was like, Madeline, you know what this is? Like, you can do hard things. You know what this is. Your body's just opening. You can do this. <laughs> and then also at one point he goes, if you're pushing, you're not, or if you're talking, you ain't pushing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like my husband's favorite part of the whole entire experience. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So I'm yelling at everybody about how hard it is and, you know, just, and then also I'm obsessed with the pubic bone still. I kept saying to the midwife, I was like, is this head past the pubic bone? <laughs> she, she, I don't know if she was even answering me. She was just like, you know, you're, you're doing great. Like, keep on going. You're doing great. And um, finally, out he came. You know, I, I pushed for maybe, he was born at uh, like 845, I think, okay. on Thursday morning. So um, what, what position did you actually give birth in? I ended up being, um, not, uh, not flat on my back, but sort mm-hmm. of in a reclined right. position, like in the bed, in a reclined position. And they were holding my legs up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you see in the movies, each the nurse and my husband each had one leg and were kind of holding it. And then I was, um, pulling a, on this sheet that the midwife was holding onto, like until it got really, really close, you know? Right. Um, and so then I pushed him out and he, when his head came out, there was apparently a ton of meconium oh. behind him, um, which nobody said anything. And my husband just told me afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then he pretty much came. So I don't think he actually did restitute on his own. I think she encouraged me to push so that he would come out. I think she was right. maybe worried about the meconium. So, um, so he came out and then she handed him to me and, um, he was screaming like immediately when he was like halfway out, he was already crying. Oh. So he came up on my chest and, you know, it was just like completely surreal. Like not, you know, I didn't have this kind of well, it's funny. I say I didn't have like a burst of oxytocin, but my friend and my mom got there like literally five minutes after he was born, like walked into the room. Um, oh, one more thing I want to say is that when I was pushing, I said to the doctor, I was like, my mom and my friend are about to be here. And I was like, let them in when they get here. I want them to come in. And the doctor was like, are you sure? Like it might change the energy in the room. And I was like, no, they're going to be helpful. Like definitely let them in. And then once I was actually like, about to give birth to him. And like, you know, once I had finally kind of found my rhythm in the pushing, I was like, I changed my mind. Don't let anyone in. <laughs> I was like, I bar the door. I, yeah. I had figured out how to do it. And like, if a freaking fly landed on my shoulder, you know, I, it would have messed up my whole routine. So I just think that's kind of interesting that, um, yeah, when I was actually doing it, cause I've seen that happen before, you know, like once women get into their thing. It's like not a single inch can change. Like this has to be exactly like this until it's all said and done. Um, so, so I had that experience, but they, so they got there five minutes after he was born. Um, and 
Oh, I don't remember where I was going with that part of the story. The oxytocin. You were saying oh, okay. So, like so, so my friend said that when she got there that I was like, you know, thanking the nurses and telling them I couldn't have done it without them. And the <gasps> midwife, she was like, I was like, Oprah, like, you're the best. Thank you so much. I love you. And you're the best. Thank you so much. I love you. And you're the best. Thank you so much. I love you. Um, so I think I did get a car. Yeah. Yes. I think I did have a big oxytocin rush. Um, but there was a nurse there who was the pediatrician nurse, you know, so she comes over and she's like trying to suction his mouth out and like rub him and stuff. And I was like elbowing her away and I was like, he's fine. He's fine. And she's like still trying to put the thing. She's like, I'm just going to like clear his airway. And I was like, he's screaming. Like I looked up at her and I was like, he's screaming. And so finally she backed off. And then I just had my baby there and he stayed on my chest for four hours. Oh, wow. Until we left the hospital. Um, He never got weighed or measured. They never did anything to him because I said, no, thank you. I was like, I don't need the pediatrician. Um, You know, my baby's fine and he's going to have care when he gets home and, and you know, we want to go home and the doctor was going to check me out. No problem. Um, and the pediatrician came to me. I think this part is important to, so that people can kind of understand that you do keep your autonomy, you know, and that this was my baby after he was born. And this was, um, my body. Cause also the nurse, who was there. So I got a new nurse at seven o'clock and I was worried about that too, because I had loved my overnight nurse so much, but this new nurse was like even better than the first one. If you can imagine, I mean, they were both just like angels on earth. And, um, but after he was born, you know, she was pressing on my stomach, like as they do, like pushing on my uterus and it hurt. And I've seen people do that before. And I was like, you know, like you don't have to do that. And I kind of like explained to her, like, just feel like this and it should feel like a grapefruit. And like, you just want to know if it's firm and like, check my bleeding. Like you don't have to like smoosh it down. And she was kind of like, Oh, you know, Oh wow. And like actually felt, I was like, geez, what do they teach people around here? You know, like (sighs) what you do, she's just smushing on my uterus for no reason. Right. Um, but anyway, so she learned a little something and we, you know, had a nice heart to heart later when she was helping me up to go to the bathroom and stuff before I left. She was really great. But, um, yeah, so the, I, I, you know, I told them that I didn't want a pediatrician to come into the room. And so they're like, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to decline that or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, fine. Give me the paper. And then we were going to go home and my doctor had already signed me out and the pediatrician nurse came in and she was like, okay, so we understand that you want to be discharged and that you've already been discharged, but we're not going to discharge the baby. Oh my gosh. You know, because your water had been broken, you know, we're going to monitor him for this long and he should probably have these antibiotics. And like, you know, just went on and on and on for all the things that they were going to do to my baby. And I could see in my husband's face and in my mom's too, like, they were like, Oh my gosh. Like, this is like, what are we going to do? And I just looked at the nurse and I was like, okay, great. Thanks very much. Well, I am going to take my baby home with me. So like, what do I have to do to, to bring him home? Cause he's not staying here. And so she got me the papers and like, you know, I think of course, part of it is that I have confidence. I actually have knowledge and education and that's, that's one thing. And, and that allowed me to have the confidence to kind of not be afraid of her. She wasn't threatening me, but 
you know, that's just the kind of way that they say it. Like she said, we're not going to discharge the baby. And it's like, it's not up to you, you know, (laughs) who discharges the baby. Like my baby's going home with me. And so just the kind of words that they use make people believe that they don't have choices. Um, and you absolutely do have choices. And I, and I kind of think, you know, if you believe everything happens for a reason, um, that that's maybe one of the reasons that, that this is the way that my birth went is so that people can know that you can have, you know, you can end up at the hospital and you can still have things go in your terms, on your terms, right. Um, the whole thing. I mean, of course, if he had needed help or whatever, I would have let them help him, but he didn't. And, you know, the routine things that they were going to do were unnecessary and, um, and he was fine. And so I, you know, and so I think it's just important for people because I tell people that all the time, but now I have an actual true proof, positive story that you can make your own decisions there. Oh, yep. I, I really am so grateful for all of this, especially coming from someone who, of course, like if there were any way to have done it that didn't involve going to the hospital, that's how you would have done it. And so hearing that from someone who totally gets it, um, you know, how you were able to handle that in the hospital, it's, it just means so much. And, you know, and I think uh, not just the confidence, but I was also kind, you know, but I was straightforward, you know, I just, I didn't leave any room for asking them, you know, is it okay if I don't, or is it okay? I'd rather not, you know, it was like, I'm not going to put on the hospital gown. I'm not going to give you a urine sample. (laughs) I, you know, I do not consent to a C-section until it's necessary. I do not consent to you, you know, taking my baby over to that, you know, warmer or or whatever, so that you can do whatever it is that you do to him. Like I, I want him on me and, you know, he did the breast crawl and we nursed and, you know, I just was, my sister-in-law ended up coming back and she brought a birthday cake and, and, I mean, it was just for a hospital experience. Um, I mean, the epidural and the labor part of the hospital experience was horrible. And like I said, I hated that. But like, you know, the whole thing ended up just being being what it was. Yeah. And so, yeah, we checked out. He he went to my husband. So my husband held him skin to skin while I got up to go to the bathroom, you know, to make sure that I could walk and pee and everything before I left. And um, and then. I got in a wheelchair and they gave the baby back to me and we went home. And so he was born about eight 45 and I think we were home in our own bed by like 2 PM. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. It was the way to do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Well, Madeline, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing this and, and, you know, as we were discussing here at the end, just the importance of autonomy and the importance of, educating yourself and also recognizing that you are the one driving the bus. Like this is your thing. This is nobody else's thing. Um, and you make the decisions. I feel like that gets lost not only in the hospital, but you know, at home, Yeah, Yeah. you, you gotta remember that it's, this is your thing. So, and I don't, I don't want to overplay the education part uh, too much. Like, you know, just because I do know a lot, Mm -hmm. that's, good, but you don't have to be a midwife in order to, um, 
to stand up for yourself. And it doesn't matter if, you know, what the reasons are for what you want there. If that's how you feel, then, then you should be able to make those choices. Oh, absolutely. Well, as we end this, I would love for you to give um, my listeners once again, your uh, social media information, any contact, like your website, all that kind of stuff. Would you mind doing that? Yeah, sure. So I am on Instagram at believe in midwifery and I have a website, um, which we're just on the cusp of a whole new website design and rebranding and, and stuff that I'm really excited about. Everything looks good. Um, it's, and it's www.believeinmidwifery.com. And there's blog posts on there and sort of events of where I'm going to be um, and contact information on the website. Um, but you can contact me through Instagram or on the website. I'm pretty good going through both. But um, yeah, good stuff happening for Believe in Midwifery. I hope you know I'm going to have an impact on having more people, you and me together, we're going to make everybody have home births. That's right. <laughs> I will make you. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to encourage them to at least With learn love. about it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, Madeline, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. And Thanks as always, I will, uh, I'll be in touch. Okay, cool. cool. Thanks. Great talking <laughs> with you again. Thanks. You too. Okay. I know that you know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Wow, what an amazing episode. I just, there are so many things that we could talk about right now as we head into the episode roundup. I just picked a few, so understand that I could have picked like a million. So the first thing I wanted to mention was, all right, a Sunday night through Thursday morning labor. Now that, my friends, qualifies as a long labor. I want to take this moment to discuss just how incredible the female body is to endure intensity for such a long time and then come out of it on the other side just fine. That's amazing. And then the second thing that I noticed was I just love the fact that Madeline expressed to everyone exactly how she wanted to be treated during her birthing time. Hands off, allowing her body to do its own thing. However, when she got to a point where she needed reassurance and backup, she had her best friend and midwife right there to help her through the uncertainties third thing was, I just want to give a shout out to all of the amazing brothers everywhere. I adore my brother and I just love hearing stories of other siblings who are close. And Madeline's mention of her brother coming in with her and her depends, her tank top and her big old pregnant boobs is one of my favorite things ever. So thank you for sharing that Madeline and hooray for doula brothers. And finally, and most importantly, Madeline hit on a point so vital for us all to understand. For whatever reason, should you find yourself in the hospital, whether you choose to be there, whether you end up needing to transport during your home birth, you are still the decision maker. You do not have to hand over your power and your autonomy. You can kindly but firmly explain your choices, not wishes, their choices. You can use the word decline. It's not a dirty word, despite the looks you may receive. And of course, when help is needed and the situation calls for emergency intervention, not a bad idea to accept, but you have the right to be treated like a cognizant human and you have the right to say, oh yeah, mm, don't think I'm going to do that. Okay, friends, I know this episode got to you. I know it because it got to me. 
Thank you, Madeline, for all of your wisdom. And remember that if you've made the decision to have a home birth, I have a free mini training just for you. Think of it as the teeniest, tiniest taste of what's to come from Happy Home Birth Academy when it launches in January. Just go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash essentials to pick it up. That's all I've got for you today. Come back Wednesday for our bonus episode with Madeline, and I'll see you then.